Welcome once again to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, and today we are going to talk about the outgroup homogeneity bias. And uh, what that boils down to is this idea of, you know, your in-group, the group that you belong to. Um, I am black. I am a Cubs fan. I am a, you know, whatever your group is. The opposite of that, the other group, um, they're all the same. We are diverse, or sorry, yeah, we are diverse, they are all alike. Um, and you can see that play out in a lot of different ways. Um, and it could be any group, right? Um, it could be a racial group. It could be your gender. It could be like your job. Hey, we're project managers. We're super diverse, but the sales team, they're all the same or, you know, web developers, they're all the same. I'm coming at this from like, you know, a web design firm perspective, cause that's where I work. But, um, you, uh, you can see this really any kind of group that you belong to, you're going to see is more diverse than the other one. Um, one of the earlier kind of studies in this is um, eating clubs at Princeton in 1981. They did um, a group, eating clubs are a thing, apparently, I'm not, not familiar with this. But um, one eating club, they would sort of ask questions about like, you know, how many different of these traits, like how many different traits does your group have? And then if you look at this other eating club, like how many of those traits do they have? And it was always our group is more diverse. And they also did this with sororities. Um, I think this was 90 members of three campus sororities and was like, okay, these other two sororities, you know, what are they like versus your sorority? And the sorority you belong to was always more diverse and had different characteristics than the other sororities. They were all alike. And this is all well and good when we're just talking about job descriptions or we're just talking about, you know, the sorority you belong to. But where it starts to get real, obviously, is when it's things like, oh, you just showed me a bunch of different, I'm a white person, and you show me a bunch of different faces of white people and black people. And then later on, you asked me to identify which uh, faces I had seen before and the white faces I'm able to correctly identify. But you showed me some new black faces and I said, oh yeah, I saw that before, right? It's the, oh, they all look alike scenario, right? That's where the outgroup uh, homogeneity bias really starts to get dangerous. Because you can think of the impact that would have when you're trying to identify who mugged me right? <laughs> You're suddenly, you know, pointing at the face of a someone saying, yep, that was the guy. When in fact, you've never met that person in your life, right? Scientifically, we know that can happen. In fact, that's likely to happen if they are of a different race than you. And so all of a sudden, someone who wasn't, you know, some black dude who wasn't even there and the person didn't even see gets arrested, becomes a suspect, um, because, they all look alike, like to your brain, right? Like you have this outgroup homogeneity bias where you are going to just not be as good at recognizing people who are in a different group than you are. Um, and uh, and this, this is an actual you know, study that they've done. Um, the other thing that makes this super dangerous is if you see the people in the outgroup um, as interchangeable, right? They all look alike, they all have the same characteristics. Well, along for the ride is this notion that they're also more expendable. Right? Like if you don't see someone as an individual, as a human with their own unique characteristics, if you just see them as a mass, right, all the same, what's one less of them, right? What's two less of them, right? If you see immigrants as all the same, if you see conservatives as all the same, all of a sudden you, it's so much easier to, to dehumanize them. And that's another one of the obvious in-group, out-group things we see today is like all liberals are all the same, all conservatives are all the same, all Trump voters are all the same, right? And, you know, all evidence to the contrary. Um, I remember being surprised myself by looking at all the different types of people, you know, who voted for Trump. And there were people who were, in fact, uh, uh, Muslims who voted for Trump in spite of the Muslim ban. And in fact, 
to some extent because of it. You know, they were talking to this one woman who was Muslim who voted for Trump, and they're asking her, like, in light of all this, you know, why? And she was concerned about security. She thought Trump could defend us from Islamic extremism better than Hillary Clinton could, and which, on the face of it, is a perfectly rational argument, right? Um, Islamic extremism is actually more of a threat statistically to Muslims than to anyone else. Muslims are more often the victim of Islamic extremism than anyone else. So on the face of it, that makes perfect sense. But if you were to ask someone uh, or me at the time to describe a Trump voter, I would not describe her, right? <laughs> I had this, you know, um, kind of just outgroup homogeneity bias against Trump voters that, oh, they're all the same. They're all, you know, you know, wearing trucker hats and, you know, have Confederate flags and, you know, hate black people. Um, which just wasn't the case. Uh, so, so in any case, that's, that's kind of um, how that works. And there are a lot of different theories as to why this happens. Um, and one of the more successful ones, you know, when they've kind of tried to, to test it is called self-categorization theory. And it's this idea that when you're looking at another group, you're thinking of how it's different from your group. It's an us versus them situation, right? But when you're trying to judge your own group, you're comparing yourself to the other members in that group, and you're going to find more differences, right? It's like I have these things in common with other black people, but I have these other things I totally don't have in common with them. And so we must be a very diverse group, whereas if I like, try to compare all black people to all white people or all Asian people, right? Like all of a sudden, I'm going to look at that other group and be, well, they all have this one characteristic, right? I'm not going to be comparing my own characteristics to individual members of that other group. And so it's a lot easier to think of your group as more diverse than the other group. Um, there are some things that can make this worse. Apparently, the more real the group is, the more impactful it is. And by real, I mean we talked, we've talked before about in-group, out-group bias where I can just flip a coin and create an in-and-out group that people really invest in. Um, this doesn't happen as much if I just invent that from scratch than if it's like a real long-lasting, you know, I'm a Cubs fan and I've been a Cubs fan all my life and Cubs fan have existed for, you know, <laughs> uh, decades, right? Um, and the larger it is, right, the larger that in-group is, the more... Um, the more likely you are to feel some kind of in-group bias. In fact, they've looked at it, and if the in-group is too small, it can actually reverse itself, where you actually have more of an in you, th you think of your in-group as more, um, as, as less diverse than the out-group, if, if your in-group is really, really small. Um, what's interesting about this is, it doesn't really matter how much contact or interaction you have with the other group. Um, and a perfect example of this is gender bias, right? Like, men and women tend to interact quite frequently, and yet it is not uncommon to hear a man say women are all the same or a woman to say men are all the same um, in spite of that frequent contact. So that's no, you know, no panacea for all of this. I'd be interested to look at uh, a study where they kind of, like not all interactions are the same, and if there are certain types of interactions that... Um, counter the bias better than others, because I suspect that the interactions between men and women in a lot of these cases are not ideal, let's just say, right? <laughs> are, not, are not in positions to uh, increase any kind of like um, uh, trust and bond or sense of diversity, you know, uh, in those groups. Um, 
So without going too deep on that, like I feel like that might be an interesting way to look at that. That just not all interactions are, are born the same, let's just say. Um, so anyway, uh, that is all for this week. Um, just remember when you're looking at that outgroup and you think, oh yeah, they're all the same. Remember that outgroup is thinking the exact same thing about you. Um, so for the Cognitive Bias Podcast, uh, this is David Dylan Thomas. We were going to take a couple weeks off. Um, this will be the last episode of 2018, but we will see you again in the new year. Uh, thanks and bye. Thank you.